Hobby Addict の時間です It's time for Hobby Addict And now here are your anime addicts Everybody, welcome to Hobby Addicts, episode 253 on Pi Day 3.14, bitches. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, yeah. Math. I am your host, Mitsugi, and the very enthusiastic about math person you hear is Caroline. Caroline, how are you? Hey, yo. I wouldn't say I'm enthusiastic. I really hate math, actually. <laughs> oh, well, But Mason. Pi Day. Everybody loves Pi Day. Mason loves math, though. I know he does. I'm all in on math and desserts. That's, that's my wheelhouse. Oh, wow. Well, and all of you guys listening, welcome to the podcast. Uh, as it is blizzarding outside here,、um, we were supposed to get snow starting on Friday night. They said we were going to get 35 inches over the weekend, and it didn't come on Friday. It didn't come on Saturday. And it was about. Midnight last night, and it started snowing. And when I woke up, we had we had 12 inches. So they said it, they said it, it, it spots it was going to snow four inches an hour, but、um, I don't think it's quite that bad. But、uh, it's supposed to snow till 1 a.m., and I think we will probably have at least two feet. So that's that what you get、like、for、fun. talking, that's what you get for talking crap the day before. Well, like, what snow? What, what, what snow? It's nothing. And then, <laughs> well, this is, like a, this is like a winter cyclone. So it, it was supposed to drop up to five feet. No, you're fully responsible for your town being underneath a snowstorm. All right. Well, guys, on this podcast, we're going to talk about 13 Sentinels. I've been playing more Fractured Butthole. If we have time, I'll just opine about that.、Um, Caroline is going to talk about the Stone Challenge. I don't know what that is, but we're going to find out.、And、I will be letting you know. Mason, Abstract, The Art of Design, from, which is a TV series. And also, maybe Tam Popo, the movie. Where should we start, guys? Who is the most enthusiastic about their, about their、uh, various hobby? I'm the most enthusiastic about Caroline's Stone Challenge <laughs>、oh, because、okay. I've been looking at this and I'm just I'm racking my brain with what it could be. Okay, right, Caroline, so I guess, I guess I'm up. I'll paint you a picture. You got a mountain. You got a bunch of fitness obsessed people.、Mm. And you got a bunch of stones.、Ooh. So、uh, it is basically a challenge that was set up by、um, the outdoor club of the town that I work in.、Um, and I mentioned before that I'm a radio person for that town. So they. Got me involved in the challenge. I didn't do anything. I just,、uh, <laughs> you know, I was on the loudspeaker and, you know, talking to people, interviewing them, that kind of thing. But what they were doing, of course, I would never get myself involved in this because it's physical fitness. But ahead of time, they pick a stone of their choosing. It has to be at least five pounds and it could be, you know, as heavy as they want. It has to be at least five. And then they start at the top of the mountain in this town. They go down the mountain, they pick up their respective stone, and they bring it back up.、Mm. So、it. they go down without、okay. a stone, pick up、yes. the stone they've selected, and then re summit the mountain. Yes. 
And I'm, there's I'm also disappointed that these stones don't weigh a stone. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it was uh, there was also a lot of kids involved, too, and their stones definitely did not weigh five pounds. So it was pretty cute. Um, so I just was flabbergasted by the fact that people actually wanted to do this. But it is kind of funny. Um, and I was wondering if this was the with this would be something as you two are both much big, much more interested in physical fitness than I am. Is this something that you would do to yourself? <laughs> I mean, I I think the first question Mitz and I both have, you, you say the word mountain, yeah. that they're going up and down a mountain. Can we get any more specifics on the okay, elevation so- of this mountain or is it just a really, really beefy hill? It is actually like the the part that they're running on mostly is asphalt. So it's not really like a mountain mountain, but it is like on the trails and all that. Um, There is an incline. People were huffing and puffing when they came back up. Um, And a lot of them are like very fit people, but it all depends on how big their stone is. That creates the challenge for the most part. Um, But there is a special way that they calculate who did the best in terms, you know, like the time and the weight of the stone. They have like an algorithm that they put all this information into that comes up with, you know, if you had a bigger stone, but ran slower than somebody who had a smaller stone, they kind of calculate, okay, so who did the most with what they had, essentially. Sounds like some wimpy shit to me. Asphalt. Okay, so there's actually a uh, more advanced part of the challenge that you can either do the regular challenge or you could do what they called the provocation course. So they had an, they initially had like some other idea for this, but there was still snow on some parts of the trails. So they changed it to what this ended up being, but apparently it was harder than they originally had planned out because they had to change it. So basically the provocation coursers, they would go in the, they would start in the opposite direction. They would continue down the trail. Um, and they would loop back around, which was probably at least like a mile or two. They come back and then they go down the the hill to pick up their stone and then come back. So much longer, much harder. Extra loop in front. What what does it mean? Nobody knows what it means, but it's provocation challenge. Yes. <laughs> so my question would be, how large of a stone would you do in this challenge? How long like did it take people to finish? Like, was this like a half day event? Oh, no, this was like we the race started at around nine, nine thirty, somewhere around there. And I would say people started returning within half an hour. Um, some people took a little bit longer, of course, maybe like an hour, hour and a half. Um, of course, also depending on if they took the provocation course or not. Is it and could this is in go New ahead, York? Mitch. This is in New York, right? Yeah. Well, it's on like the the border of New York, New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Peter Point and Point Point and Port. Oh, my gosh. You got it correct. (laughs) I mean, probably just looked up stone challenge on Google. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just trying to see what the elevation is here because, yeah. So, I mean, I don't I I don't know. I don't I don't want to sound like a hard ass. (laughs) You've all you are sounding like one Mitsugi. Well, I mean. Peter Point's only 865 feet above sea level, so... Okay, so it's not like a mountain mountain, but just, I mean, just if you, let them be. If they were, if, it's still hard. If like So if you were to like carry a 10-pound stone up, up Peter Point, uh, and then like if you were to like start 
like where where Mason and I started climbing the Black Cloud Trail up towards Mount Elbert in the Rockies. Like, I mean, it's the the difference is like. Well, I don't know. I don't want to ruin your. It's fun. definitely not like if 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 this was a normal hike, it's not that bad at all. It's just for fun, I suppose. I, I even made my own stone, but definitely not five pounds. Did you um, uh, decorate it? Was it like a pet rock? Yeah, so a lot of people decorated it? theirs because there was a decoration contest. And also decorating your stone makes it easier for you to pick out your stone amongst all the others. Mm. Um, I decided to get involved and make my own stone. But because I could not find one big enough with the time that I had before, like uh, within a couple days before this the race happened... Um, and also because since I wasn't even running it, there was no reason for me to have a gigantic stone. Um, I just picked up this rock. I'm holding it as if you guys can see it at this moment, but you cannot. <laughs> and I named it Roxanne. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I love it. I'll show it. you guys later. <laughs> yep. But yeah, yeah we the, need an image of this decorated rock. It's really simple, but it's pretty cute, I think. Um, the largest stone that somebody carried was 89 pounds. Wow. Yeah. And also, if you were ever to do anything like this, apparently having a very long stone and carrying it over your shoulders is the best technique. I mean, how well, I was going to um, ask, did you have to carry it? Could you put it in like a back? No, bare like hands. A, I would think like a really flat, wow. wide stone would be like that you could hold up against your yeah. like body for like a center of gravity kind of thing would be the best way to do it. Mm. Yeah. A lot of flat stones I saw. And while, yes, some people did hold it against their, you know, their front the front of their body. Apparently I've talked to a lot of the organizers that are pretty, you know, big, they're really big in fitness. So they know what they're talking about. Apparently that's not like the best technique to do because it kind of compresses your body and like makes it harder to breathe. It's a weird event, Caroline. It is a weird event. This is basically, (laughs) it's very very weird. It's uh, the story behind this is basically a bunch of people from the outdoor club got together and were thinking, what's something strange and, you know, fun that we could do. And this was what they came up with. It sounds like a bunch of people saw the like the classic like wife carrying competition where people have to race while they carry their wives and they're like, oh, we don't have a significant other. What's a good <laughs> replacement? Yeah, apparently I think they got inspiration flesh. from like one of those like those strong men guys like for those competitions. I don't really know. I there think is they no reason for- to be alive if you cannot do deadlift. <laughs> I picked things up and I put them down. <laughs> Yeah, so that's basically what I did yesterday. Wow. Why I'm to- so tired. <laughs> Just watch people go up and down. So yeah, were you basically. situated at the the bottom or the, the top, top of the hill? Yeah. Where they the put top. you on like a fancy like zip line that followed the lead and you were like, and Jeremy in the lead with a 14 pound stone is taking the lead. But oh, from the other end, Alex with the 12 pounder is gaining on like an announce it like oh, <laughs> a if race only, track. If only. I would love to. I would love to zip line. <laughs> but... Um, no, I was just uh, talking to the organizers. I uh, made comments as, you know, the provocation coursers ran past and like, and he feels like, and it looks like he could do much more than what he's doing. Like, he's ready to go again. <laughs> kind of thing. But yeah, so good. It sounds good. At the bottom, all the stones are like gathered and you have to pick yours out. Yeah. Did people like scramble them up so people like couldn't find theirs and like were digging through other rocks? Like, you know, I wasn't quite sure because I was since I was at only at the top. I didn't get to gotcha. see the giant gotcha. pile of stones at the bottom. But a lot of people decorated their stones in a very, um, you know, eye-catching way. 
like one of the, like some really intricately designed stones. Like there was like this ship that somebody made and because of the the shape of their stone, they like kind of incorporated that into the their painting. So it was like really cool. And yeah. I also got to pick out the ones that won the artist yeah, right. contest. And yeah. I felt so bad because I was like, oh, my God, this kid who worked so hard on his stone. He's like, pick this one, pick this one. I'm like, I can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> Stone's weak. Stone's weak. Yeah. And Get oh, my God, if only. OK, so I've been talking to the organizers for weeks about this on my show. And one of them came up with this slogan, like out of the blue, that didn't even really um, anticipate making it. But they did. They even had uh, special masks that they wore that they made like a T-shirt T-shirt that they would pass out. They made out masks for people to wear. They did not put the slogan on it, though, like that this guy came up with. And it was so good. It was like, do you have the stones? Yeah, so good. <laughs> of course, low hanging fruit. Of course. You don't have the grapes. <laughs> Low hanging stones. Yeah, it's your balls. Exactly. Yeah. Innuendos. Pen- I get it. Yes. Pendulous sex pendulous sex melons hanging from your nuts. Okay. I think yeah. we can move on now. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, why don't we go to Mason? Okay. Uh wh- what should we do first? Let's do mm, how much time do we have? Let's do a short one. Let's do Tom Popo, which is a movie that I watched very recently that is straight up like Enzo's aesthetic. So oh Enzo, if you happen to be listening to this, this is like uh, your kind of movie. And this is the movie that I alluded to last podcast about like in some like way I could see this as like the progenitor for uh Shokugeki no Soma Food Wars. So Tampopo is a Japanese live action film from like 1985. And you guys have heard of the term spaghetti westerns before, correct? Oh, yeah, of course. Incorrect. Oh. (laughs) Do you know why they're called spaghetti westerns? Because they're made by Italians. Exactly. So hence the spaghetti westerns. This is a self-described ramen western. What? And <laughs> so the name of the movie is Tom Popo and it stands for Dandelion. And this is a comedy wow. movie who lies very much in the joy and expression of flavor and rules and technique that involve food. And sometimes like the sexy times that involve food. And essentially what the story is at its core, it's a pair of truck drivers named Goro and Gun who stop at like some decrepit roadside ramen noodle shop. And it's run by a widowed owner named Tampopo. And the shop is just struggling to make ends meet. And the owner kind of wrangles the two truckers to help her transform the business and make it succeed again. And essentially the movie is the course of them going around with her, trying to unlock the ancient arts of like how to make the best ramen and finding all these weird people with odd skills that like this guy's the broth master or this guy's like the noodle fiend or this guy like each person has their own technique and they all come together to help this this ramen shop kind of revitalize itself and it's a very like body sexual like sometimes meditative nature on like how humans relate to food and it constantly is mm. just getting distracted on these like weird side streets like it's not about like the core of this movie is about this 
recovering ramen shop, but constantly it'll go on like these five minute tangents where it'll just try out these new characters you'll never see again. And they'll just have like a weird thing just just to try it. Just they this movie throws everything at the wall. And though not everything sticks, like it's always unique and it's bold and it's engaging and usually elicits a reaction either because it's so smart or so stupid that you're just like almost impressed by just how fresh and engaging it feels, even if it is just all over the place. And it definitely feels like a Western, like, I don't know how to explain it. And it's not like so tongue in cheek, like, you know, guns dueling and a setting sun with like desert snakes and stuff like, no, it's like, just, it feels like a Western because it is one in a sense. I don't know. It's very odd, but it's a definitely must watch movie. If you like, weird food stuff i i guess there's not much more to say about it than that but i watched it on hbo max and it's uh it's wild it's absolutely bizarre and which one are you mason are you the are you the noodle fiend are you the are you the broth master um i feel like you know when people first go to japan and like start trying ramen i feel like the noodles are the easiest thing to gauge like it's pretty apparent if they're like too chewy or too overcooked like uh <laughs> that last anime we watched so uh i'm, I'm a big fan of noodles so i i could be the noodle fiend in our uh, ramen team mm, okay okay so if he's the noodle fiend what are you mitsugi well i mean i think that the broth is the, probably the most important thing in a bowl of ramen so oh it is i'm going for the broth master i'm gonna steal the show there you okay. go is is the chopstick chopper a thing? I can be the chopstick chopper. Chopstick chopper. What are you gonna be? What are you gonna chop? Everything and anything. No, she's gonna split the chopsticks so you don't. You you take the chopsticks out of their little paper holder. You got. You want to make sure you, there's two in there. You don't oh. want one thick one. That does no good. So mm. that's what Caroline's gonna do. Is split <laughs> that so you can actually use them. Chopstick confirmer. You're gonna be. You're gonna. You're going to. You're going to confirm that everybody has at least two chopsticks because it would be really sad to try to eat ramen with only one. You'd be like stabbing it. He's just like stabbing at the egg. Exactly. You could this eat the true. egg. You could eat the, I mean, you could eat a, you could eat a bowl of ramen with, with one chopstick, but I don't think it'd be very, I don't think it'd be a very good time. It's not the same. It's not the same. I've recently tried eating uh, rice noodles with chopsticks and that's very hard. <laughs> I had They're very slippery. I had Singapore I had Singapore noodles last night from a from a Chinese place, and a, those might be rice noodles. They're very thin. I love rice noodles. They're so good. You, you ever get Singapore noodles from, from a Chinese place? I have not. How about you, Mason? Yeah, of course. Singapore noodles is fucking dope. It's like I never even knew you could get Singapore noodles at oh, a Chinese yeah. restaurant. It's like they're curried noodles, so they're they're like real thin, like almost angel hair like noodles, but they're like tossed in a curry sauce. And with like vegetables and egg and chicken, it's like super freaking good. <laughs> I'm sorry, listener, for triggering a, a food discussion. I didn't mean to. I was trying to stay away <laughs> from like all the glorious food porn in this thing and like all the glorious porn that involves food in this thing. Because well, it's <laughs> very much at the same time sometimes. Well, my, my girlfriend got a new job at a company that makes like all the desserts for like a ton of different places. And... Maybe I'll maybe I'll drag her into the after party so she can talk about all the amazing desserts that her company puts out for uh, like like uh, like conceptual desserts like they're not really sold anywhere they're just like 
they're just like this like they'll propose a, a new dessert to like Domino's or something. What, a, <laughs> make a, a big cookie. <laughs> but make it really big. Ooh. Yeah, it's like uh, well, I mean, if she wants to, I'll bring her over here to talk about it. Uh, you know, in the after party maybe. But like the company has like four chefs in the in the corporate office, and they're in like they're in like a room that's like a kitchen, and they just make up, they just invent desserts all day. So. Yeah, we got stoned. What if we, we got stoned double and, we got stoned the chocolate and, in the brownie? <gasps> we got stoned and ate a bunch of them the other night. It was pretty fantastic. Oh boy. That, that's the stone challenge yeah, right that's there. That's the stone challenge. Can, the, st- <laughs> the real stone challenge is can you eat every dessert on the plate? And there were like three slices of cake, um, like at least like two of these like bar things that were pretty interesting. And a couple like, like, uh, one of them had like, one, one of them was like a cereal milk custard filled chocolate. Like there's all this crazy wild shit. So, but Mason would love that. Is yeah, probably. We were trying to decide. Oh, it is pie day, so you need to have a pie for. Well, there was no pie. The occasion. There was no pie, but you know, you can't have everything at once. Anyway, uh, were you done, Mason? Uh, yeah, like Tam Popo. It's just it's a brief little movie. Uh, give it a shot if you're into weird stuff. I uh, moderately recommend it, and well, we can jump it over to you. All right. Well, I, well, I've been playing more Thirteen Sentinels, and. I think I've played enough of it at this point that I can talk about it. Uh, the The bulk of the game is... It's a strange game. Okay, so... You get through this, like, four-hour prologue, and then it opens up. And there's three, like, modes of play, I guess. One of them is really not even a mode of play. It's just, like, an archive of information where you can, like, review files or read about stuff. And then one of them is, like, a section called Remembrance where there's, like, a dozen characters in the game and you basically play through their each individual so it's 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 every single individual person's role in in one big in one large overarching story so you're seeing you you're like you're like participating in the same story from like 13 different perspectives so there's like events that you would never see if you didn't play through all of like this person's story or like if you play through this person's story like two characters will enter, will like oftentimes they will like in, they'll cross paths in the course of the story so and then when you play that other, and then when you play the other person, you'll, you'll you'll run into the other character, in the same way. And and it's and and as you like play through all the different story pieces, like it'll tell you what percentage of a character's story you're finished with. And the story begins to like start to make sense as you get further and further through the through the uh, you know through, through the different timelines of the different characters. And and then you'll get to a point where you'll play through like half of a character's story, and it'll and, and it will it'll stop you and say you can't proceed until you've done like X, Y, and Z. So you have to like either finish enough of this other character's story, or you have to go do like a battle somewhere. So they're trying to like I think they're trying to hold you back so you can't like reveal the end of the story until you're until you've already like seen enough of all everybody else's storyline that you kind of like you know you're going in like somewhat of a of a reasonable like sequence of events. And it's a really interesting story. I mean, I really think that probably 80% of this game is not much of a game at all, but it's more like uh, you you have a character and you're kind of walking around through these environments and you can interact with things and talk to other characters and you're almost like playing through an anime. It's kind of weird. And 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 so, but there's not much like gameplay. You're like you're not fighting, you're not shooting, you're not solving 
I guess maybe there are some puzzles. But it's not quite like a visual novel. Like, it's more gameplay than that. It is. It's more gameplay than a visual novel. You're not just clicking through text, but mm-hmm. almost clicking through text. In, at, least, at, least, you, at least in the remembrance section of the game. So, Are you making decisions at all, or is it... Well, Just so like progressing here's, a set story. Well, here's an example. So you'll like start in a classroom somewhere and there's like a girl sleeping on a desk and you'll like walk over to her and you can talk to her and she'll mumble. And then it'll say like, and then you'll get like this thing called a thought bubble where you can, where like a thought bubble will appear somewhere and you can like hit triangle and then you can like, and then you can consider quote unquote, consider this girl. So it'd be like, like her name's like Eodi Fudisawa or whatever. And you'll say consider and you'll select that and then you'll, you have like a mon- like like an inner monologue where you think about her, like like this girl's like sleeping all the time, like what the hell's going on at home, like whatever the hell you want to, whatever the th- whatever the thought is, and then you can like walk over to someone across the classroom and interact with them, and then you can hit triangle, and like under that person's name it'll say Iori Fudisawa, so you can like ask that other person about the girl who's sleeping on the desk, and then you'll have like a conversation about, you know, the girl who's sleeping. Um, so your choices are essentially just, do you want to learn more about the world you're in or don't you? Like there's no changing or like, oh, I want to slap her awake or no, you can't uh, I mean, pull her chair out. Like there's no different branching path. It's just, do I want to read more about this? What was is that, that the only way you think of making somebody up is through violence? I was yeah, trying to think exactly of some like big way to change the story or like make a decision that isn't just like talk or not talk like. Well, so mostly the game forces you to do things. So, like, there's not a lot of, like, modifying the story. Um, Generally speaking, like, there's a lot of instances where you have to pretty much listen to every... You have to exhaust every possible option before, like, something will happen that'll let you move forward. So you have to, like, check everything in the room, think about every single thing, talk to every person, you know, and then things will proceed. But, like, honestly, like, it's not like you can change the storyline by, like, pulling the chair out from under her or, like, you know shaking her and or like you know whatever you want to do which makes sense when it's like oh there's 13 different stories taking place like there's no way that like someone would be able to juggle that many like story changes but i feel like i guess me personally a game that i'm just along for the ride with doesn't really appeal to me from like if i'm playing a game i want to have gameplay so 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 let me get into it more because there's so one thing is that Vanillaware is known for making games that are gorgeous. Some of the visuals in this game are just fucking gorgeous. Like it's th- unbelievable how incredibly beautiful they can make the inside of, of like a of like a of like a, a high school classroom at a school with like the sunlight coming through the window and like you'll have like this almost like rainbow like palette of colors like on the chalkboard and on the and on the like desks as like the sun is setting like the the, visu- the visuals are fucking wild sometimes and the backgrounds are amazing like you'll be on the street talking to somebody and there's like people walking in the background there's traffic there's other there's other characters you they, they, that you can interact with in the foreground like doing whatever the game is gorgeous if you played Odin Sphere like on PS2 this is the same company and it's about as beautiful as Odin Sphere I mean Odin Sphere being one of the more beautiful games I've ever played so it's a beautiful game um, also the story is exceptional. So you might think, oh, it's not much of a game. It's more of like a visual novel. Like that's not necessarily untrue, but the story is exceptional. It's, it's, um, I'm not far enough in it to even like spoil a whole lot, but it is a time travel story. Um, that is like about the end of the world. And there's like Kaiju and mechas and, um, all these insane plot reveals. So you're always, you're hopping back and forth through time 
trying to, you know, piecing the story together. Characters are getting like lost in the past. Like there's all this wild stuff happening. Um, and it, it's not, it's like a visual novel, sure, but like when some of the like environments that you're in, you'll be like talking to somebody in like the destroyed future, and there's like kaiju just just raising buildings in the background, and and it's it can be pretty like awesome. Um, also, the characters are fantastic. Like they're almost all of them are like S class. Like they're all great. You know, you've got like like the cute girl who's obsessed with UFOs. You've got the the the, the thug girl who like is really tough. You've got the guy that like like the lover boy that rides the sport bike. You've got the Yankee boys with pompadours. You've got um, nerdy girls with pigtails. Um, like all these characters that like you've seen you've seen other places, but they are. Their dialogue is written really well, and the voice acting, the English voices in this game, are are phenomenal. I mean, they, the presentation, like yes, it's a visual novel, but from the story to the to the to the sound to the dialogue to the contents, it's all exceptional. So, it's it's enough that like I'm willing, I lose my interest pretty easily, but I'm probably willing to sit through 15 hours of just dialogue because the story is that good. So take that for what you might for what you will. The, the actual gameplay mode is kind of like a top-down RTS where you have like a cityscape and you're trying to like defend a building from, from kaiju that are coming from all directions. And like you'll have like guys coming from the east and you'll have guys coming from the north and you'll have like control of four or five uh, basically like Pacific Rim like like mechas. And you'll be like, oh, I'm going to select the, the long-range missiles, and it'll, like, fire an arc of missiles at the incoming enemies from, like, the west, and it'll damage them. And then you can, like, have another guy. You can may tell him to move over to that area, and he'll move over towards them. And as he's moving, like, they're moving also because it's real time. And then you can, like, have him strike with claws or whatever and, like, do, uh, cl- you know, close-quarters combat. So, like, um, honestly, I don't think... The, I think, actually, the, the story is more of the selling point than the gameplay. I don't think... If I don't find the gameplay all that compelling at this point you know i know you can upgrade your skills and learn new skills and stuff but um it just seems pretty easy and kind of like almost like an afterthought like they had this amazing story and they had this uh they have these great visuals and these great characters and then they were like oh but you know what we don't really have a game like any gameplay (laughs) so how how can we get some gameplay in here and then they kind of like fabricate some kind of like a strategy game that is you know not super compelling but is it probably enough um so I don't know. I'm, I'm a, I don't I don't think the game will appeal to everybody, but if you like a sci-fi story like with some time travel in it, like this is fucking story is good. Like it's real good. Um, I don't want to give any like big plot reveals, but it's uh, you know you've got like the Men in Black are in this. Like not not like literally Will Smith, but like the one not, not J and K. <laughs> well, they look like it. They look like it, and the <laughs> and the girl and the UFO girl who's real cute constantly is talking about how. Like, oh, it's like, oh, my God, these guys are the men in black. They're the ones that try to conceal alien extraterrestrial life from, from mankind. And, you know, it's they're, she's literally describing the men in black from the movies um, while, like, being obsessed with UFOs. And it's it's a pretty good game. Like, it's not quite what I thought it would be. You know, it's not as good as Odin Sphere. But honestly, like, I don't know what is exactly. But, um you know, it's, it's pretty solid. It has really good scores online. It's got like middle eight, it's like 85 ish from the critics and the, and the, and the like audience score. And so it's like pretty good across the board. I know people on the discord really love it. There's a lot of people that were like, Oh my God, that was my game of the year last year and all this. So 
you know yeah, I, everyone who i've heard like bring it up absolutely loves the game and like vouches for it like i haven't heard anyone be like oh yeah i played 13 sentinels eh. yeah like it's it's pretty impactful from what i can tell i mean this game has better characters and better voice acting than almost than like the overwhelming majority of anime that i've seen and it kind of plays out like an anime but the characters are just fucking awesome like i will care if some of these characters die <laughs> which is not something i can say for you know most of the anime i've seen lately uh, also i don't know how, it's like every time like a video game gets dubbed like the dubbing is just far better than it is an anime like i don't know i think funimation needs to like step up its game like quit using the same like 12 people because like you can just kind of tell that these game actors are like they're paid more they're better at what they're doing um and like they never miss an inflection like the the emotions are in the voices, and when characters are talking, they never fuck up like the inflection, like like that, like that kind of lets you know that 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 they were never really having a real conversation in the studio. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they never fuck Say up. Say in a surprise manner with no context to what you're responding to. Exactly. That it it is completely convincing and super good, and all the voices are like, uh, you know, none of them are annoying. Like it's it's just good shit. So, yeah, it's um. It's been pretty good, you know. I think that it's probably not really worth like sixty bucks. If it goes on sale, and you can get it for maybe like twenty, it's probably worth twenty bucks, you know. But um, if if you're if you're if you're a person that can just get sucked into a great story and not really need to have like some kind of blistering gameplay, you know, it's probably a, um a good pickup, you know. If you're expecting like, you know, like fast paced fighting game style action where you're big big and big robots fighting kaiju like that's not really what this is so you know it's more of like a like a like a watered down rts game that's you know layered on top of this bigger story about like you know the end of the world or presumably presumably like the destruction of mankind and uh you know people trying to figure out how to save the world but there's like a lot there's a lot going on that i haven't gotten to yet there's a billion pieces of the plot that I'm not that I don't under, that I really don't understand what's happening yet so maybe it's not really about the end of the world who knows probably yeah probably got a bit more evolution to go and it's going to come full circle and you'll be like oh dang like all that stuff from the prologue like is now coming back into play and it's I'm sure it'll be worth the ride there there was a reveal that I'll tell you like it's kind of a minor spoiler but it's it's also early in the game but like just to give you an idea like there was a reveal where this girl was talking about how like she ends up like in the future and she's like the future of like where she lives and she's like oh my and like the city's destroyed and she's like oh my god the earth is destroyed and you find out and the the little robot she has with her is like this is not earth and like you find out that you thought you thought that that you were on earth the whole time but you're really like on another planet that was terraformed and it looks like the earth but you were never on the earth the whole time so like it's just fucking crazy like plot reveals and that sounds like a huge spoiler, but it really happens in like the first section of that girl's story. So you're going to see it like, like pretty early, but like it's pretty neat. Like mankind goes out and explores other planets and they're terraforming and making them look like the earth. And those planets are getting destroyed and you're like, Oh my God, I thought that was the earth. But like, it's not like it's the story is so much bigger and more, sci more sci-fi than that. So there's a lot of cool stuff happening. Anyway, but on top of that, Fractured Butthole, the South Park game, is fucking awesome. It's definitely better than the Stick of Truth. I don't think it's all that close, actually. Um, so, I, I think I like it a lot better, but we don't have enough time for that. So, 
Because I was late today. I'm sorry. Womp, womp. Caroline, Caroline was about to go back to her dorm room. <laughs> She's like, it's fucking like 15 minutes and we're out of here. Fucking professor. Knows. It's like, oh, is the professor a doctorate? Oh, if he is, you know, 15 minutes in her. You know, if if she's not a doctorate, then you know we're gonna wait. Then you only give them ten minutes, and everybody pieces out. Everybody's like, I never heard specifications to the rule. It's only I've only ever heard it be fifteen minutes at the start of class, and if the teacher isn't there, you're free to go. Uh, People always said like, if it's a doctorate, like a real PhD, then you give them like an extra five minutes or something. But whatever, Mm. the fifteen minute rule is pretty much the same. But. I was definitely 15 also, minutes late, though, and I definitely don't have a PhD, so you guys were free. I guess you guys were free to leave. You're so kind to stay. <laughs> You're welcome, audience. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, next week, I probably will talk more about the fractured butthole because I did. Um, I have been playing it, and it is good, you know, and um, Mason never got to abstract the art of design. I don't know what I'm. I'm probably not going to be leaving my house at all. We have like probably two feet of snow outside at this point. So, and it's going to snow for the next 15 hours. So it's, we're, just, we're all, we're all fucked. And you can't salt the roads in Colorado because we're all a bunch of morons. So I don't know what, I don't know what the, f- <laughs> it's like, oh, you wish you could salt the roads now, motherfucker. But oh mm-hmm. no, oh no. We have to, in a city with like arguably the worst air pollution in the world or in the country rather. Um, we're worried about like polluting the, the ground with salt or something. I don't know. We should probably worry about like the, you know, the air quality that's like always worse than Los Angeles every day. <laughs> Denver is like, you think it's like this beautiful place, but it is polluted as fuck. So, wow. oh yeah. Check the air quality index on your, on your weather channel app and look up Denver. You'll be blown away how bad the air, the air quality is in, uh, Denver. Anyway, there's like 10 times as many like toxic particles in the atmosphere here as there were in Tampa, where I came from. So it's pretty crazy. But we will see you guys next week. We got to do the yeah. Oscars. Hooray! It's going to be a fun Thanks time. Thanks for hanging out, everyone. Yep. Screw you guys. I'm going home. <laughs> Bye. See you later. I'm going home. <laughs>